you're listening to Swinging Down Under, a podcast about the swinging, non-monogamous lifestyle, from two crazy Australians with over four years of lifestyle antics to keep you entertained, informed, angry, happy and horny. Join our international swinging adventures. Hey there guys and welcome back to a bonus episode of Swinging Down Under. Daryl, just curious, do bonus, bonus, episodes. do bonus episodes have like a star date, do they have a scooch number, what kind of a reference point do you give for bonus episodes, I'm just curious. Bonus episodes don't deserve any of that. <laughs> You've just shunned them, have you? Yep, they're shunned. Wow, alright, fair enough. Totally shunned. Well, today we are talking about sex positivity down under... Yes, that's right. That's what I said. Sex positivity in Australia down under. That was terrible. That was pretty good, hey? No. So later on in the podcast, we actually have an interview with Brayden Rees, who is AKA Jet Black, who is actually running the X Awards Australia and also Sweet Release Agency down in there for the Australian adult industry. But before we get into that, Daryl and I wanted to talk a little bit about what we believe sex positivity in Australia to be about. But before we start talking about sex positivity in Australia, I have a funny story for you, Daryl, and I don't know whether... Not a funny story, but like interesting... funny ha-ha or funny woohoo. Funny woohoo, most likely, because it is me. Yeah. I don't know whether you're aware of this. Have you been checking out SDC Inbox lately? No. Okay. So recently I was reaching out to a few single guys, and we had a single guy actually message us, and I thought, awesome. And I had a look in it, and his first message was... Like, basically, hi, you know, I was told that this is the location that I should contact people rather than the local forum, right? So he came over and he said, hey, I, I, I've heard that SDC is better than the local forum. And then he sent a dick pic. And then he sent oh, I should have a look. another two photos after that. I think I've deleted it already. Why would you do that? I mean, it's a perfectly good dick pic. <laughs> and I reached out to him and so this was his first message. Hi, you know, I understand this website's better than the local forum for finding like-minded people. Dick pic, and then also here's some photos of me, and then two other photos, like one in the gym and one out in the park or something, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wrote back, and I, I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is the better site for finding people. And I said, but by the way, opening up with a dick pic's probably not the best option, and I just gave him some feedback. And then I said, however, you know, all good luck in your search. So it wasn't wasn't being a bitch about it. I was just like, look. Sounds bitchy. Probably not, uh, not, not for us. And he wrote back and said, sorry, it was an accidental dick pic. He didn't mean to actually send that. Accidental dick pic? Yeah, that's why I got got a little note in front of me with a little bullet point saying accidental dick pic question mark. Come on. Come on, man. I don't know if that's even a thing. Can can you, have you ever? Oh, man, no. no. Well, I mean, not Not that I'm aware of. (laughs) I would have thought, though, if I accidentally sent a dick pic to, like, my parents or something. Because I, I could imagine that if you were on... A, a number of different WhatsApp chat sure. groups or something, you might accidentally flick it to the wrong person. On your phone? I can understand that. On, on a dating site, we've uh, actually got to like, so, click well, on the little paper the phone, clip. Though. They could have been on their phone. But don't you still have to click on the little thing and then go finding the photo? And Yeah, but what? okay, yeah, you do. But what if, you, um, if you've selected a couple of photos and, and accidentally... I mean, that's actually... That's possible. Where are you at percentage-wise? In terms of the probability? Yeah. Oh, it's maybe mid 20s <laughs> that's pretty high in chance of uh, the chances of it actually being yeah. an accidental dick pic I, I called bullshit on that so i thought it was interesting that so you just deleted him yeah i think so i didn't even get a chance to look at the dick well he also said i'm on, always measuring myself up to the rest of the crowd he also said it on messenger and you know how i feel about messenger versus an actual inbox message but that's a is whole that, is that because you 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 think everyone's a tight 
a tired ass if they use meth. <laughs> yes, basically. So I don't know. I just wanted to ask you what your thoughts are. So you're saying mid twenties for whether or not an accidental dick pic is a real thing. I think Fair so. enough. All right, cool. Hey, uh, a couple of other updates. I just want to quickly mention. Oh, got it. Yeah, you no, got it. He's still here. He's still That's there. not an accidental dick pic. Okay, so now your your, your mid twenty five percent has gone down to what? Zero. It's a zero percent. Yeah. If you were going to receive the message where I was like, hey, look, probably not great, would you rather fall on your sword and say, cheers, thanks for the information, it's my <laughs> first time. You fall on your sword. Fall on your own dick. Cheers, first time, really appreciate the feedback, thanks so much. If you want to change your mind, happy to have a conversation or something. Or would you lie? Like, where would you be? Because for me, I would rather go, yep, yeah, my bad, that was a dick pic, rather than trying to say it was an accidental dick pic, but still can we catch up? I mean, it was the first thing he responded with, so um, it was, it's, it's, nah, just fuck him, he's out. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously he's out. Yeah. All right. But, uh, and, and his response of accidental dick pic. I mean, there's no recovery. Once somebody identifies the fact that they didn't want your dick pic, there's no recovery. Yeah, there's a recovery. Just back it out. There's no recovery. No recovery from a dick pic that somebody doesn't want. There's no recovery from a vagina pic that nobody asked for. Mm, That's true. I mean, you can't just send your bits disassociated (laughs) vagina or penis to people and think... This is the, if that's seriously the best part of your body, then I don't know. Like, <laughs> There's no saving you at this point. Well, no, I mean it's you've got to have, you've got to have a little bit more pride in yourself. I think. Okay, right. So two more things I want to update on before we start talking about sex positive Australia. We recently tried to do a live um, on our Patreon. We decided that there was gremlins there. And the reason I'm bringing this up is we were going to play the game of lifestyle live for our Patreon members um, and then record that for you guys and then share it as a podcast episode. The gremlins decided to get in there. But if you guys would like to win two full packs of the Game of Lifestyle cards. You can actually head on to our website until mid-September. We're going to draw those randomly, pop your email in, and the guys at the Game of Lifestyle are shipping those anywhere in the world. So that's two full packs they're shipping out. So jump onto our website, swingingananda.com, go find it, log in, you might win some packs. And the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, Podcaster Palooza Virtual. We just finished that last weekend. You just finished that. I wasn't involved. You were involved in two of the sessions. I, so. was, in, I, was, I was regrettably involved in a 1am session. Tell, tell me about your 1am session experience. I can't remember any of it. It was, it was just, it's just a mist of anger and sleepiness. <laughs> Mostly anger. Which is why I prioritised it in my response. No, it was it was a really great weekend. And again, I want to reach out and say thank you to everybody who joined us for that virtual event. It was our first time doing something like that. And uh, I was very stressed. I was a little bit stressed that people weren't going to actually comment or engage at all. And honestly, in the first session, I was pleasantly surprised that people were super energetic, which for me really mattered because I was up on crazy, crazy times. So in time zone wise, it was really important for me to actually get some energy behind me. So cheers for that, guys. Now, Daryl, mm-hmm. sex positivity in Australia, would it surprise you to learn that we have apparently two cities that are in the top 50 most sex positive Locations well, I know Sydney fits into that. Worldwide. Would it surprise you? We're in the top 50 down in Australia? No, not really. Two of I our mean, cities? No, I would say Sydney. Because Sydney's right up there. I mean, it's a gay and lesbian Mardi Gras. Interesting you, you say that, actually, Daryl, because Sydney came in at 47th place. Holy shit, really? Melbourne, however, 17th most sex positive and LGBTQI plus um, positivity 
over the, over Sydney. It doesn't seem to make any sense. Which I thought was interesting as well. So, I, I, first of all, I, I was impressed that we're up there. And but, I mean, 36% of stats are made up, though. <laughs> I thought 12% were. No, no. I made that stat up, oh, so okay. it's 36. Okay. So, this is out of um, over 200 cities around the world. There was oh, I want to know what the, what is the audit criteria for this. There was over 500,000 people that participated in this. Flaccid penises poking out of walls. I mean, what? what are the... And no, they spoke about things like, they, they researched things like LGBTQI rights in Australia or in other well, locations. they're no different in any part of the country of You'd Australia. be surprised, actually, because conversion therapy is actually still allowed in Victoria. Yeah, but that... And it's not in the rest of the state. Still allowed. I'm still allowed to piss on the right-hand back tyre of my car <laughs> in any public place in Australia, in Queensland as well. I mean, you just it's legacy legacy laws don't necessarily mean that something's not yeah friendly. So how how did it come about? So they interviewed over five hundred thousand people uh, with a series of questions. How many people do you think would know that conversion therapy is legal in a part of Australia? I don't know. How many people do you think are utilising conversion therapy I in Australia? Like you're, just, you're just like focusing on Well, I mean, on it's that, conversion like therapy thing. is a pretty ugly thing. So Melbourne, 17th place, Sydney, 47th. And I also thought that was interesting because of the fact that the Mardi Gras is actually held in Sydney. And conversion therapy is bullshit. It is. So. Sorry, I, that was that was just nothing to do with the egg. That was just the fact that conversion therapy is bullshit. So, yeah, I, I found it interesting that, Mel- that Sydney sat... So far below Melbourne. Yeah, me too. That's really interesting. Crazy. So we'll we'll talk more about that, and I actually do talk about this um, with Jet Black later on in my interview on the second half of this podcast. And we talk about those stats and also his interactions as a gay man moving from Sydney to Melbourne. So that's coming up a little bit later on. And ah, okay, so that's interesting. Yes. Okay. So that'll be that'll be good to talk about. Now, Australia. 25 million people, right? 25.4, but, you know, it's was 24.99 was the latest. Um, Shit, we're dying more than we're, yeah. than we're growing. So I just rounded it. I rounded it up to 25 million. Wow, you should be in sales. I know, right? Now, I actually couldn't find any couldn't information follow. on the number of gay saunas. I did try to actually find a, an actual number of gay saunas in Australia. Couldn't find it, so I've got three question marks written in front of me. There's better than three. But, yes, there is better than three, but... How many clubs do you think, swingers clubs, lifestyle clubs, and I don't mean parties and I don't mean kink venues. I Five. just Australia, glo- like all of Australia. I was Australia, about to say Australia globally, globally, yeah. Globally throughout Australia. Yeah, yeah yes. globally throughout Australia. Yeah. Five. Five? Thirteen Five. we have. Thirteen different permanent, permanent swingers clubs in Australia. Call cool horseshit. No, there are. I actually went through and, and uh, you found triple, all their websites. Triple check them all. Yeah, they all have websites. And I removed. If, look, if you don't have a website, frankly, you don't exist in Australia. I removed the parties or the smaller events or the people that aren't permanent. So, for example, Saints and Sinners Ball, huge things been going for some thirteen plus years, I believe, off the top of my head. I didn't include that because it's a once in a year to ball, right? So, I'm talking mm-hmm. about permanent, permanent brick and mortar swingers clubs, thirteen like versus the virtual swingers clubs. Yeah. Yeah, virtual Are there virtual, virtual swingers? There are. What, what the fuck? How do you have a virtual swingers club? What state do you reckon has the most? Melbourne. Uh, Victoria. Melbourne's not a state for those of you out who don't know. No. Queensland. And, what? No, fuck off. Queensland nah. has four nah. permanent don't believe swingers it. clubs. Bullshit. It does. Three in Brisbane, one on the Gold Coast. There used to be two on the Gold Coast. Well, come on, and that's not Queensland. Down. That's Queensland. It's not Queensland. It's a very small section of Queensland. Well, because there's none up in Sunshine Coast and Cairns that are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, come on. Come on. That's not fair. Okay, well... That's not fair. That's basically a city. 
Queensland as a state has four. Um, Victoria actually only has one technically permanent Chef 16. I only guessed Victoria because I thought it was something that wasn't you thought it was New South be Wales. Back in. Nah. I just figured it wasn't something to do with New South Wales because you were all, you know, you had a, a shit-eating grin on, like, <laughs> like oh, I'm so smart. I know fucking everything because it's in my nose in front of me. <laughs> okay. I thought that was a really interesting. We haven't missed them all. I have a really big problem are there with that. Any, are there any um, lady-only clubs? Did you look for that? Not permanent ones, no. So Skirt, skirt Club, Skirt, yep, yep they yep. do. they actually do host uh, events, but, again, they're not a permanent... So I didn't classify them as in that list. But, I mean, if you want to extend that out to things like kink and BDSM clubs. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I suppose I was looking for p- things that fit into the egg. The egg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, no, Skirt, Skirt Club, who actually I just reached out to the CEO the other day and I'm trying to get her onto the podcast to interview her. They do host events in Sydney, but, again, they're not a permanent permanent location. So... I remove that off the off the list. However, if you really wanted to talk about that side of it, obviously there is the pendulum parties, which there's is hosted. No, yeah, there's no gender fluid events, though. Uh, sorry, not events. I mean clubs or anything like that. Or except for the saunas, I did not so, find. Okay. I did yeah, not. Okay. And saunas, and obviously you've got you know gay bars, you've got gay hotels or gay hotels throughout Australia. Yep. But in terms of actual on-site sex event that, that isn't a gay sauna no is the answer okay. to the question okay, uh, but anyway anyone who is looking for that sort of um an event at a swingers event do go check out the pendulum parties it's hosted by by the way podcast so brad from angela and with jess and lawrence and that's at our secret spot in sydney if you guys want to look that up go check it out let's now talk about our interactions with whether or not we think sex that australia is sex positive now i asked you this before and your answer shocked me a little bit i gotta tell you why so, do you, do you think Australia is sex positive? No. Why? Well, I think there's still a stigma around how you describe, discuss, and interact sexually in Australia. So, the vast majority of people are not open and honest with their partners or their community mm-hmm. around what their sex status might be. Right. Uh, I mean, us as an example, even living in Australia, we were not open. We knew that we would be potentially ostracised or at worst put into a position where we'd have to leave our place of employment mm. because we're because we're in the swinging lifestyle or non-monogamous lifestyle. Yeah. So that to me is an absolute no, we're not. We, we don't have an... I mean, we're not, for starters, non-monogamy is not a, a protected protected individual don't have protected protection status in Australia. Mm-hmm. So that means anyone who fits into our lifestyle can be fired for uh, under a morality clause yep. that fits in any contract in most Australian employment agreements. Yep. So with that in mind... Not in the UK, by the way. You know they are protected in the United, in the United Kingdom. Only recently, yeah. They, I think that happened this year, didn't yeah. it? Uh, no, I think it's older than that, but fucking go the UK, am I yeah, right? Yeah, but there's, a, there's not a lot of... Denmark and stuff as well. Yeah, but there's not a lot of countries that have that you have that protection status. There's not, no. And it's, it is important but to... More importantly, I think, more importantly, to make the statement that that protection status should not be required in a a sexually open environment is probably more important. So once we get to the level of the level of not requiring protection to be gay, lesbian, open relationship, uh, trans, whatever your... Yeah, you're saying the the idea in in essence that we actually require 
yeah, that we protection require protection means, means we're not being positive not, about it. That, that the rest of the, that there's a, enough of a community out there who still would see it as something odd. Mm-hmm. So th- with that in mind, I would say there's very few countries in the world that are, that fit into a sex positive nature because I don't think any of us have graduated to that point. You know, and using the example of my example of pissing on the back wheel of a car, which is actually legal, still legal in Queensland. If that were something that people needed right now, then it would be brought up often enough that you, you knew about it, you know. But it's not needed anymore because people don't piss on their car out in the street anymore. It's seen as socially unacceptable. So, you know, I, I think there's very few countries in the world that are truly sex positive. The Sydney Morning Herald posted a report 10 months ago and... There Quality was a, newspaper. Thank you very much. There was a number of studies that were done and it's specifically talking about sex education in schooling systems. Obviously here in Singapore, it's even in the curriculum for 2021, it's still abstinence-based education and in Australia, there are a number of people who are continuing to identify the fact that the the system there is, is, is broken. And let me just, I just want to read you this extract. So a number of people for years have said that sex education lacks re- relevance and a number of students during this test were, were interviewed and it spoke about the fact that most students, 80% of students, were more interested in gender diversity, violence in relationships, intimacy, love and sexual pleasure than the plumbing information. And it goes yeah, so on... so plumbing's anatomy. Right. And then, so that ties back into what you were just saying, you know, mm-hmm. about about gender diversity, about what is out there, about how do I find out about my own sexuality, my own pleasure, those were big drivers from students requesting that kind of information. So I think that we are becoming more sex positive and we are becoming more open to these conversations and younger generations are starting to feel like they've got options to be whatever they want to be. I still guarantee you that in every classroom in Australia, every time the teacher first first says the word sex out loud, every student in that room chuckles. Yeah, and no doubt there's there's children right now as we speak getting bullied for potentially being gay or sluts or whatever. I think we're we're on the right path. Hence why Singapore is as prudish as it is is as well. But I think that the conversation, what you were just talking about, having that conversation with your child or having that conversation with your workplace or being out and being open is decades away decades because yeah it takes, you won't even let me tell my boss takes generations and generations oh, well that's because i'm worried about him trying to hit on you okay <laughs> that's just that's just awkward then i'll give you i'll give you a pay rise daryl <laughs> hi this is jet black from sweet release the world's leading multi-award winning adult industry marketing and public relations agency. You're tuning in to Swinging Down Under with Kate and Daryl, home of sex positivity and more. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Now, our next guest, very special. It's actually a fellow Aussie, which we always love to interview. From the boudoir to the bedroom is actually how I'm going to invite our next guest onto the line. So, Brayden Rees, today's guest has led the life of a hospitality and events marketing professional by day and a liberated gay man and escort by night. Uh, please welcome Jet Black. Jet Black, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be on another podcast and again run by Aussies. I know. So good, right? So, for 
for those of you out there who are listening, before I continue introducing who Jet Black is today, Jet Black, you may know the name because he has actually been on the By the By podcast, of course, that is Bradford and Angela, our good friends down there in Australia. So go check out their episodes and you may actually hear Jet Black talking a time or two on their podcast. Now let's talk about you, Jet Black. So you've sung in drag on TV, you've helped countless men find their own sexuality and self-discovery, you're currently the CEO of two global brands and you're helping adult industry professionals take their brand to the next level. I mean, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, what's happening with you right now as of today. Today, I am pretty much, personally, I'm, I'm chilling back. I've got a new boy in my life, which is great. So that keeping me level. Um, business is interesting. With the whole of coronavirus going on around the world seems to be challenging everybody in every industry. It's making things a lot different. I think when we started the business just over two years ago through to now, or what we were doing two years ago, we have to completely rethink <laughs> the approach with marketing and advertising for businesses and entertainers because what worked then doesn't really work now. Although in saying that, a lot of people are now in front of their phones and their computers. It means we have a lot more access to people. A lot of people are like, oh, how are we supposed to market in this climate? It's like everyone's stuck at home. Yes, that's a good thing. <laughs> now, everybody, what we're actually going to talk about with Jet Black today is about sex positivity down in Australia. We're going to talk a little bit about sex workers in the adult industry, and then we're going to talk about industry representation. So we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Before I want to do that, however, you educated me unknowingly, Jet Black, you educated me on mm. something today because you had in your bio about a twink. Now, I didn't know what that was, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, so I actually went to Google, as you do, to say, what is this? Now, twink, for anybody out there listening, it's your day, it's your word of the day. It's gay slang for a young man in his late teens to early 20s, whose traits include general physical physical attractiveness, little to no body or facial hair, a slim to average build. So you're saying that's what you were at 18 years old. And that really helps us start talking into the next section, which is about sex yeah. positivity. And I think a good thing as well is to, to let people know that Twink's not to be confused with the American Twinkie, which is a small finger-shaped sponge cake with a synthetic <laughs> cream filling. Cream filling may have been involved in my career as an escort, but it wasn't finger-shaped. <laughs> so let, let's talk about sex positivity in Australia. I mean, you just mentioned there you've worked in, in the industry and supporting people and, and being physically in it yourself now for over 10 years. So obviously you've seen a yeah. fairly large shift in in Australia and, and generally I would say the move towards being, being more sex positive and, and that's in all facets. I mean, yes, the LGBTQI plus movement is very important, but I'm just talking about the whole sp- the whole gambit of really sex positivity. Mm. So do you think that Australians are sex positive in 2020? Do you think that we are sex positive? I think generally speaking, most people want to believe that they are sex positive. I think where the grey area comes is that when you start having open conversations about it, no one wants to touch the topic. It's kind of like that conversation that you can easily write off when you've had a few drinks and people are like, oh yeah, I'm open to talking about this because I'm wasted. Uh, when they're sober and just had a cup of coffee, it's like, oh no, can possibly talk about that. In general, people I'd say are becoming more sex positive, especially the younger community. Still, there's that old adage of people that are pretty much driven by their religious or cultural backgrounds. And so that's still in Australia, being so multicultural as a country tends to play into what people are willing to do, what they're willing to explore and what they're willing to talk about when it comes to sex positivity. In my experience, and I know this is just on the queer community, that's starting to boom a lot more with people exploring fetishes and fantasies. And and then you have your straight couples and your individual 
out there, male, female, trans, no, no barriers there, who are trying to find their sense of self. And that's where I see them starting to explore what sex means to them and how they can adapt to make sex their own as opposed to going, oh, I ran online, I have to do this or the dick goes in the vagina. And so what I'm noticing even over the last 10 years is that when I was working as a sex worker, most of my clients were couples. And I never could have, I had a hard time at the early stages trying to work out why. Mm-hmm. And I worked out that what was the reasoning was, oh, if we book a sex worker, it's on the clock. Whereas if we go out to a club or a bar, you know, we swap a few numbers and there's a potential that that could come back again later and I don't know about it or my partner doesn't know about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And things get messy. They have this perception that if they go to the bar and hook up with a random, that it's going to become compromising for their relationship. In Australia, we have swinging venues opening and sex on-premise venues embracing the swinging community, couples being more inclined to explore together and separately once they've explored together because they've got that comfortability, trust and communication there. But again, when I reflect on my escorting career, the couples that booked me were booking me because they felt safe. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people exploring exploring their sexuality in Australia purely through escorts or through adult entertainment venues where it feels safe to do it. Yeah. And actually, we will, I want to come back to that, Jet, because that's a really good point and, and I want to talk to that. But before I do, you moved from Sydney mm. to Melbourne. Now, what it, just talking about this whole sex positivity and, you know, you said before around the queer community that you'd be part of, would you be surprised to know that Melbourne, the 17th place for overall of being a very sex positive city in the world, this is of the world of 17th place and it ranked really high also in both adult entertainment and lgbtqi plus friendliness i mean does that surprise you i did look into that stat and i was like this is interesting and out of the 50 in the world sex positive places you've got melbourne that's coming 17th i spent most of my early escorting life in in sydney Mm -hmm. and when i was reading through the stats further to have a bit of an idea sydney was ranking 9.2 in adult entertainment and LGBTQI friendliness, but like ranking really high in sex overdrive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that doesn't surprise me because <laughs> the population is heavily focused on wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, whip your grinder out, get your Tinder out, find the next fucking go party. Uh, and that was the Sydney atmosphere for me. But when I moved to Melbourne, I came across more events. In Melbourne, there are so many events here. There's nude parties where everyone that's into voyeurism or is part of the nude lifestyle can just go to a nightclub have a drink sex is not a requirement and they can just mingle and i'm like wow you can actually have events in melbourne that are like that compared to sydney where there really isn't any it's more targeted towards the queer community when i came to melbourne the first thing I noticed in the first event I went to was a nude event. I'm like, I've never been to one of these. And it was all ages, all genders, all sexualities. I'm like, this is fantastic. And it was just for me, I was like, that's liberation there. That's sex positivity that I'm comfortable with my body. But Melbourne's so much more comfortable. And I'd I'd agree with the statistic. I love visiting Sydney, but if I was going to go back there, I wouldn't live there. Yeah, it's actually one of the things that for everybody out there who's listening internationally as well, we get a lot of people and they say to us, hey, we're going to Australia. And our first response, well, actually, no, 
our first one's always like, good for you. Our second response is, please go somewhere <laughs> else other than Sydney. And the only reason we said, oh, it's not because <laughs> yeah. we're hating on Sydney. I mean, we lived there for years. We love it. I know I loved it. It was good for the parties, but I think broadening the, the scope is always a good idea. And that's what we want people to, to see is the fact that we, we are not just that one major city. You know, there is, and I always say to people, make sure you go to Melbourne. And the reason behind that is more for the diversity. You know, it's not just, mm. it's not just the landscape of the, the location, but you know, the food, the culture, it's completely different. So I understand exactly what you're saying there with how people are approaching things, especially being an individual down there. That even ties back into what we see in the non-monogamous communities. You know, there isn't this idea of, well, you can't go to that party unless you're, you know, fitting into this, this exact shape or this exact bracket. You know, it, we've yeah. seen it really diversify, which is really, really positive. Let's move on to perhaps some of the hurdles that are happening down in Australia right now. You know, in terms of sex positivity, you said before, some people maybe like to think they are, but then when it comes to the nitty gritty of the conversation, unless they've had a few drinks, they might shy away. So what some of the hurdles do you think that still exist? I think it's definitely around a couple of areas. For me, I like to like box it into like a couple, maybe four different areas. And I touched on it briefly, and that was about the religious parameters. Mm -hmm. Australia still is a very religiously driven country, even though we don't look like we are. <laughs> We're a religious state to a, to a point, but it's not kind of heavily enforced like it is with the US, for example, where they're heavily focused in religion in some of the ways that they work in the community. But then when you come to Australia, because it's such a diverse country, there's so many different religions, so many different cultures. No one really wants to rub everyone or anyone the wrong way. No, we only want to rub people the right way on this podcast. Thank exactly. you very yeah. much. <laughs> there's also that perceived sense of what someone would say is normal. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused. It's like, oh, that's not normal because I don't do that with my partner or that's not normal because women just don't do that or men don't do that. And it's kind mm -hmm. of like, well, fuck normality. What's normal should be what's normal to you. So do you think there's elements of shame there as well? I think so. There's this, there's this underlying element of people not being able to comfortably embrace their own sense of self and their own pride mm. in their own appearance and things like that. And then when they hear that someone else is doing something, what they would perceive degrading, they're like, oh, I couldn't possibly do that to myself. I couldn't watch myself do that. And I think it comes down to that self-shame or pity in themselves, which is sad because I think if they were to let go of that, they would be more comfortable to explore. And so that's kind of where I think there's a lack of knowledge that ties in with this. There's so much information out there. This series that I absolutely loved and going to plug it, Netflix, there's a series called Bonding. It's so fucking great. <sighs> How good and, was and that? And also, when is the bloody next season coming out? Am I right? I mean, I right. I'm waiting. <laughs> I've watched them like, ooh, that's so cute. And the gay guy is really cute. And I'm like, this is really doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, it's kind of all underpinned by what I would say is slut shaming and then trying something taboo. To someone that thinks it's not normal, it's taboo. Well, let's now talk about that. So we've spoken about sex positivity in Australia and we've touched on it a little bit, but, you know, you were an escort in Sydney at, at quite a young age and you spent, I think, if I'm not wrong, about a decade doing that. You just mentioned <laughs> there you had a different upbringing. You were studying at university. You were doing all of the, you know, quote, unquote, normal things during the day of the what you said to do but you yourself went through a stage of exploring your own sexual liberation what was that like to create this new space for yourself Gary I got again like one of those hurdles all those hurdles I mentioned I went through all that I had a religious faith I was Christian Anglican working for Hillsong and Youth Works I thought that was the right way to go and thought you know I needed a purpose in life that was my purpose and so I used religion that way and found my sexuality at the same time I'm like shit this book that I'm reading that I'm 
bashing children with verbally and, and enforcing doctrine was going against my own sense of sexuality. And I'm like, fuck, I'm gay. And this book says that I'm not supposed to be gay. And I don't know how to work with that. And so I kind of suppressed it for a year. It wasn't until I was confronted by this young kid that was questioning his own sexuality. My parents are ministers and but he's like a seven-year-old. He's like, my mom and dad are in the ministry. I have a question and I'm like, sure, you can ask me anything. And that was one of the leaders in the camp that I was on and I was a youth leader and he was approaching me in confidence. And he's, I think I like boys, but it doesn't say in the Bible that I'm allowed to do that. And he was his question to me was, what do I do? Like, do I tell my parents, is this bad? Is it is it the devil that's making me do this? In the back of my mind, I was that's looking in the mirror. And at that moment, I was I just told him to be who he wanted to be. And no one should question him if he's happy with that. I mean, this is this is me saying this to mm. this six or seven year old boy at the time. This is nuts. And then I kind of walked away from that experience and went, I'm living a lie. Like I've just told someone, go and be you and embrace you. And I'm not even doing that. Yeah. I'm doing what the world says I should be doing. I took a moment to think. So I came out, got ostracized. I'm out of the ministry circle. I've lost my sense of community. I have a really supportive parentals, which is great. My mum and dad are fantastic. My family love me no matter what. I still didn't come out to them and I was going out clubbing in Sydney and ran into escorts and nightclub managers and drag queens and drug dealers. And I had a big, I had a go at everything. Like I was one of those, try it once, you only live once. That experience for me to kind of understand who the fuck am I? What am I? I'm a musician that hasn't got faith and has lost his friends. So I went into the gay community trying to work out, is that where I fit? Because at the moment, I just don't feel like I belong. And through that experience, I ran into all those interesting people I mentioned in different areas of the adult industry, which led to me meeting escorts that I was like, huh, a few of you guys do it for the money. Some of you do it because you are enjoying the freedom that it gives you. Is this a sexuality that I want? I had never had sex with a chick up until that point. And so I still haven't. (laughs) So what they call a gold star gay. Never (laughs) never touched a vagina. I was a cesarean baby. I got cut out and my mum doesn't let me live that down at all. (laughs) I ended up becoming a gay escort and was living through other people's experiences and going, right, this guy's older, this guy's younger, he's from this background. And they all had different takes on things, different perspectives. And I was like, wow, I kind of learned through everybody else that I met as an escort from that experience. And basically being quite open-minded, I was like, well, I'm doing the naughty thing. I'm like out there having sex with all these guys and not really sure about my sexuality, but I'm enjoying myself. And parents didn't know. So it was all a secret. Let's talk about that though, because you started escorting 10 years ago. So, and it's, and it's through meeting other people that you then kind of found, found your feet there. What was that like 10 years ago, sort of starting out in the industry in terms of how you go about it? Because how did you get into that and how did you find clients? Like what, and, and were there so many discussions around boundaries and stuff like that versus now? You know, I mean, I'm sure it must be hugely different. Do you know, 10 years ago, I was fucking stupid. Stupid. Oh, I'm I'm still stupid. So I mean, good good for you. Good for you that you've figured it out. I, I yeah. Uh, ten years ago, I was an idiot. I was. Do not recommend that anybody does what I did. I didn't know how to go about getting clients. I used to go, I was going to the nightclub. So my weekend would start on a Thursday night because that's when the drag shows are on at Mm ARC. So they had their drag for dollars show over there. Mm -hmm. And 
I used to go and watch the drag queens. Some of them were my mates, and I used to go and watch their show, and I'd hang around after the event, meet some dudes, and they'd be like, oh, I want to come home. Initially, it turned out, it started originally as me just having fun. Yep. I didn't perceive it becoming an immediate career in escorting. I was like, oh, no, I can play this character that people are drawn to. It was interesting that people were attracted to me because all through my childhood, no one came to me. I had no friends all through primary school. I originally just started out as play for me. It was like, oh, yeah, I'll go home with you, you know, experience what this is about. You know, this guy's got a big dick. This guy's got no dick. It was really interesting. I had, I think the fourth or fifth guy I slept with was like, oh, you know, you've been here all day. And I was like, I'm just having fun. I'm just enjoying myself. He's like, you can make a career out of this. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, here's $500. Wow. I said, all I, I mean, all I was suck your dick and and you didn't decide to take a taxi home you still got on the fucking night rider you <laughs> and then i went out the following night and i was shit and i spoke to some of my escort mates and they're like that guy gave you 500 and all you did was spend the night but it was from that moment that i would kind of went this could be a career for me and had a chat to the escort mates i had at the time and it just kind of went from there the confidence of having sex with people came really quickly it felt very natural and I never really thought about it. At the same time, when I said I was stupid, what I mean by that is that I had no barrier because I had no experience at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, you can throw me around the room. You can tie me up. You can pour hot wax on me. I did everything as long as it didn't leave a permanent mark. Yep. And as long as I got to experience something, I knew I didn't like it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not going to just go, no, I can, I've done it. I know I don't like it. And that's not for me. So the next time I met with someone, I didn't do it. And that turned into a 10 year journey, but I don't regret it. I think the the difficult part of it was when I was finding clients by myself, which was just hanging around bars at like Stonewall Hotel and the Colombian and the Midnight Shift, which is now called Universal. Because so I, I kind of learned which venues to be at at what times. And it worked really well for following what I call their formula yep. <laughs> to, to making bank. And uh, just having that camaraderie that I had was like, oh, how many guys have you got me tonight? Oh, I got me four. I went to this guy's house. You know, we fooled around for a little bit. He gave me $400 and we met up with the escorts that I met at the other venue and we would talk about it. And it was interesting that by then, I think about six months in, it became more of a regular thing for me and making more money as a sex worker than I was earning 18 or $19 an hour. Mm, I, uh, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like I've gone to uni, did a degree in this and I hate it. I'm stepping out into the real world and I'm meeting people that I would never have met. Yeah, I might be turning tricks, but at the same time, I'm learning about myself and I'm meeting a lot of people and hearing some really interesting stories. It just ended up becoming word of mouth referrals. So what was a couple hundred in the first month became almost nearly 1,500, 1,600 in six months that I had as an escort. Let's talk about these people because I, I want to skip over and I want to, I want to, you know, you've mentioned really different types of people. You know, you mentioned the guy before that gave you $500 that never called you again. I mean, I would make an assumption that a lot of people that saw you, but perhaps even themselves exploring their sexuality, you had couples saying, mm. approach. let's talk about that. So what kind of people approached you? What kinds of people actually see sex workers? You know, I mean, just in general terms for both your personal experience back then, but also your experience today. Early on in the piece, it was a lot of people that were older that wanted that young toy boy to hang around. So a lot of my 
early phase clients were, and I have no filter on age at all. If anything, I prefer the older guys. <laughs> Always been that way inclined. My mum, mum was concerned when I came out as gay that she's like, oh my God, you have a daddy fetish. The sort of clients I had were in that, you know, that older age factor. They were the 40, 50 year old men that had either lived their life, wanted a little bit of fun. But a lot of my clients were older. They were the independent lawyers and doctors and and most of the people were either single and older and wealthy and just knew that they'd lived a life and wanted a younger boy to experience things that may be more open to doing things that they've never experienced. So they were more open-minded to trying leather and whips and chains and handcuffs and spreader bars and sounding and all that sort of stuff, which I'm into. And then you had the couples, which were sometimes 40-year-olds with 20-year-olds and then same age, 30, 35, that were concerned in the gay community specifically about going out to a club, picking up a random and then being threatened by the fact that that person may try and intercept the relationship. So there are a lot of people early on, obviously not so much now. I think more people in the gay community are becoming more open-minded and experimenting in threesomes and foursomes and polygamy is now becoming a thing as well, more so than it was 10 years ago. But what I've noticed is that the couples would book me because they felt no threat or, you know, you're on the clock once the hour is up. Yeah, it, it, is, it is interesting because even today you get a lot of, um, well, not a lot, but some some non-monogamous couples will actually decide to take their first, you know, dip their toe into the lifestyle by hiring an escort purely because of the fact that yeah. it is not somebody that they've, that you know, and, you know, could possibly catch the feels, you know. So it, it, it is something <laughs> I, st- I think still happens today. And let's, so we've spoken about sex positivity in Australia. We've spoken about your time as a sex worker. I want to move on now and just talk more about the industry in general and kind of what's happening mm. today. Now, adult industry just generally is often it's either misrepresented, it's underrepresented, it's stigmatized, it's just misunderstood in general. I think a lot of people don't know much about it. It can be still quite taboo or it can be similar to the the swinging lifestyle. It can be, oh, it's a keys and a bowl thing. I think oftentimes, you know, you have this <laughs> picture that. of what yeah. a sex worker is and it's this, you know, seedy looking person. How, how do you classify a sex worker? Because today there is just so much in the realm of it's not just a person in a brothel. It is really much more open than that. So how do you classify what's a sex worker? I think anyone that has sex for, for money or entertainment, that's the simple end of it. I think a lot of people, like in like there's adult entertainers. To me, I like to diversify it and say that an adult entertainer is more broad spectrum and that's your cam models that really aren't having sex with the client. And then you've got your independent sex workers that I would call a sex worker, people that work independently or work in a brothel. However, in saying that, I would also term that someone that's a sex worker could be someone that's a phone sex operator. Mm-hmm. because phone sex is a thing. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That kind of makes it, I think it's much more easier to kind of understand, yeah, what you're saying there because I think whilst yeah. everybody's in that sex positivity, that kind of adult entertainment realm, I think there is definitely varying kinds of that. And, and I just on that too, I still can't believe that phone sex is still a thing. Like that just blows my mind. But <laughs> And, and with all the people that you meet as well, again, I think there's a there's a pretty broad misunderstanding of of the sex worker of the adult entertainment industry. What do you think is some of the most common misunderstandings, misrepresentations? What do you want to correct people out there that are listening to this podcast on? Maybe they have a thought in their mind. What do you think that looks like? One of the biggest misconceptions that I experienced and what most workers experience is the notion that the person that you're booking is a sex toy or an object. 
And I think the misunderstanding in the industry is that a sex worker is unsafe or unclean or like these misconceptions are still out there and people seem to generalize that if they look at a brothel and the door's dirty or they look at a brothel and it has a smashed window that may have just been a drive-by that day and threw a rock through it, that everybody inside that brothel has a disease. Mm, true. Sex workers are so health conscious because their whole career and their whole livelihood relies on their own um, sexual health and wellness and their own mental health that if that's all out of whack and they're sick, they can't make money. They're going to make people sick and they're going to lose their job. And word in this industry spreads like rapid fire. A hundred percent. I would absolutely agree with that. The number of times that people think that, you know, just didn't really be in the lifestyle as well, that, you know, we, we quite, yes, we might play with other people and therefore our, our risk profile might be perceived as being bigger because we do have multiple partners the reality mm. generally is and the, the statistics on this uh, you know prove it as well is that going out to a nightclub or going and hip hooking up on tinder with a million different people is actually more risky because those people are not looking after their, their primary health like a sex worker might be or like a couple would be because you know you don't want to get sick you don't want to give it to your, your partner you know let's let's talk a little bit about this this the industry in general and why you actually created sweet release so i want to i want to talk about that because i we've noticed a, a rather large explosion on social media just generally for people in the adult industry and that's not just over the past you know six or so months i mean i'm talking years here yes it has exploded mm. during covid um, of course because people now need to move on to social media but even still i mean social media was a great way that people had to get themselves out there you know and try to get the clients in and try to brand themselves and i mean that's more important now than ever tell us about sweet release and the actual mission statement the original idea behind that brand yeah so originally it was a pipe dream in all essence of the word pipe um (laughs) like i said i'm i noticed that there was this problem in the industry where a lot of mainstream companies wouldn't work with the adult industry and they still don't. They will turn a blind eye. This is marketing companies, banks, accountants, lawyers. They won't touch the industry out of fear that it'll tarnish or dirty their brand with all of their restaurants and hotel clients. To me, I've always always seen things as a product and a service. And if you're in a position to fix something as a marketer or an advertiser or a publicist, your job role is to fix it, find the solution, help the business or the product you know, make money and be successful. I'd always adopted that notion throughout my marketing career alongside escorting. And what made me successful as an escort was being open-minded to changes and finding solutions to clients' needs. If they were impotent, how can I help them sexually explore that? If they get off on different things, how do I adapt? And following that same model and talking to people in the industry that were struggling with marketing, our industry keeps getting rejected because no one understands it or there's this lack of want to help because they just don't want to lose what they call their bread and butter clients in these other marketing and advertising agencies and started helping sex shops and brothels and saunas and sex on premise venues and doing things differently that I know you can't sell sex with sex. It's not like you can have a sexy girl in lingerie lay all over a car and then someone goes and buys it. Uh, it doesn't work the same way in the adult industry. People still, people still try, but they still try. <laughs> still try, yeah. And it's really interesting that early on in a piece, I was like, oh, I'll help a few friends. And my friend's a massage therapist and he needed help with marketing. So I was like, okay, I'll help you, Daryl, with your marketing. And surprisingly, he went from having one, two, maybe five customers a week or clients with Swedish massage to having 400 inquiries a week and he had to pick and choose which ones he would take. It was just by trial and error with different 
sectors of the industry that I learned, okay, so all the general approaches to marketing and advertising work, why no one wants to touch it? I just couldn't understand it. But doing my research, it came up when I rang around all these different agencies, not just you know, making a generalization or a sweeping statement here that all marketing agencies that have no connection to the industry are bigots and closed-minded individuals. That's not what I'm saying. But my research, having rung around and worked in different agencies freelance, my experience was that a lot of the agencies took the mickey or the piss out of the adult industry. Right, we need to actually help these businesses and entertainers with their marketing and advertising, give them a voice, shine a spotlight on them as people and as businesses because they're just people and they're just businesses with a product and a service that needs marketing and advertising. And to me, it was just solving a problem for an industry that doesn't seem to be positively looked at. That's where the concept for Sweet Release kind of came from. And early on, it was 40 clients in Sydney because they were just people that I knew and had met working as a sex worker. 40 clients then moved on to about just over 2,300 clients. To go back to kind of two points that I think that you made uh, earlier or touched on, I think one of the big things, and we see this even in in non-monogamous businesses or, you know, even podcasting, even in legal stuff, banking, the works, is that Mm. oftentimes we can find people to help us, but generally speaking, we get uh, an additional cost associated with that because we are high risk. I mean, you look at the banking industry in particular, you know, a lot of the 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 banking industry will charge us more. Legally, we have to reach out to multiple people before they want to take on a client that that is us because of the fact that we are, you know, maybe they don't want their name associated with. So I understand that aspect, you know, having having a brand that is representing some of those other industries that perhaps haven't been previously looked upon in such a great light. That's, That's one really good thing. But the other thing is that so many of these people out there and podcasters are the same. They do this because it's a passion project yeah or that they've they've fallen into sex work because you know like yourself you know you started to explore your own sexuality and then you started in in the sex works industry now you had a little bit of experience in terms of marketing and pr because that was your bread and butter that's what you went and studied Mm. but most people don't it's either a passion project or it's something that they've gone you know i'm going to go and do this and so slowly they're building their brand up but nobody really has an idea of what they're doing so i think that you know so kind of the the analogy is before about the brothel with the broken window I think the same thing Mm. can be said on an online presence where it's just somebody who is perhaps very good at their craft but doesn't really know how to represent themselves in a very positive light and so they might look like they're a brothel with a broken window as opposed to somebody who, you know, is deserving of support, of deserving of sponsors and those sorts of things. So I think that it does fulfil a gap, you know, in what you're talking about because a lot of us out there, we, we don't necessarily know how to market ourselves. And that's like a good good point to touch on as well is that because there's, like I said before, a lot of stuff is out there about what you should do and how to use SEO and how to do paid advertising and how to do ads on Google and how to build a website with WordPress or Shopify and things like that. People go and copy it and go, oh, okay, well, I'll just copy a competitor. And then they try and work out why it's not working for them. Otherwise, you do run that risk of looking like the brothel with a broken window. But another thing to touch on as well is that Starting Sweet Release early on, it was just to kind of help local businesses and people that I knew. Didn't really think it would turn into a business like it is today. But what I have to thank for that is the relationships that we're creating. One of the biggest issues in our industry, whether you're part of the the non-monogamous community and the swinging lifestyle and the escorting world or the adult entertainment world or you own a business, it's an adult business. The biggest issue in this industry as a whole is we don't fucking communicate. You can talk to a retailer that has no idea there's a retailer down the street. 
You can talk to an Mm -hmm. escort that has no idea that an escort exists. Interesting that this industry lives in silos. It's Unfortunately, it is one of those industries where if you're a sex worker, you're your own business. And so it's very difficult for a lot of sex workers to step outside themselves and go, I'm in a a wider community here. If I'm a sex worker in Sydney, I probably should talk to my peers. Absolutely. And I think it's it's a really good positive note to end the podcast on today, to be honest, because you touched on the people being siloed. They... We, we spoke about the fact that these people are business owners, but they are, you know, they have to they have to be the accountant, they have to be the marketing person, they've mm. got to be everything. Plus, they're the performer and they're all this other stuff. And it is very, very similar in, in our industry in particular as well about this whole idea of collaboration, not competing. Because yeah. oftentimes, you know, and it's exactly what you were saying there about the, the escort might not know that there's an escort down the road because these people also specialise in things. You know, I might be a specialist in something, you're a specialist in something else, and there's no reason why we cannot collaborate. It's not competing, it's collaboration between going, I had a client turn up for me and I don't do that particular thing that he's after or she's after or they're after, but, hey, did you know about Jet Black down the road who actually does do that? And he, here's the details. You know, I think that we see that a lot just generally in, in podcasting and lifestyle events. You know, we see a lot of competing rather than collaboration. And I love the fact that you're trying to get more people together to say, hey, we're all very different. We're approaching things differently. Nobody can be us. We are our own person, but let's come together and celebrate who we are and actually band together as an industry and make ourselves look better from the outside looking in. Exactly. And and that's our mission overall is to really bring the industry together and, and tell people stories. And if, if the way of telling stories is getting people together to have that conversation, then that's great. And that will help the industry overall. And I honestly think will help the industry overall and the community within it become more sex positive and open-minded in, in the hope that it kind of shuts down all those stigmas, all the fears of not being able to fit in because you don't need to fit in. You can be your own person and still have relationships and a sense of community by being unique and being celebrated for being unique. Absolutely, 100%. And for everybody out there listening, I would like to thank Jet Black for his time today. Please do go check out the show notes. I'm going to show you what Sweet Release Agency is. We're also going to again mention the X Awards down in Australia and go check them out for some great Aussie talent. Please do go head over to that website and, and vote for people as well. If you don't know a name, go and Google it. You know, so go and have a look, guys. And Jet Black, thank you again so much for your time today. We really appreciate you talking to us about sex positivity, about Australia, about uh, sex work in and your experience. Thank you again. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Kate. Hello, my name is Dahlia Ramore. I'm an award-winning female escort and porn star, founder of the naughty little startup Amore Production. I'm a pro-dom mistress and an ambassador of a sweet release agency. Australia is a sex-positive country and I feel it is mostly because of our own adult industry. I've met some amazing people over the years who have been very inspiring to myself and others. We are really lucky to have such a diverse range of people with special talents that, in my experience give our clients such a safe space to try new things. When I first started in the adult industry, I was actually quite shy about my sexual side compared to now, but my beautiful clients and the wonderful adult industry colleagues I've made friends with have supported me to be myself. You can find me on social media account, Dahlia underscore Amore, Instagram, which is Amore underscore productions. And you can also find some of my work with the bigger names, such as Girls Out West, Feck and Light Southern. 
Hi, this is Jane Untamed, fetish and kink community ambassador for Sweet Release Agency. What I love most about Australia's sex positivity is our diversity. We have such a huge melting pot of diverse genders, sexualities, kinks and fetishes and I love seeing just how different we all are. You can find me on Twitter at Tamed by Jane, Instagram at Tamed by Jane or Facebook at Miss Jane. If you're looking for more ways to interact with Swinging Down Under, you can catch us on Twitter at Swing Down Under. You can also catch us on Instagram, Swinging Down Under, or head over to our website, swingingdownunder.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. So if you would like to send us an email, jump online, do it at cnd at swingingdownunder.com. If you've got podcast topics, questions, you want to talk about your journey, you can also support the podcast through our website by clicking through on any of the affiliate links or alternatively to jumping over to patreon.com forward slash swingingdownunder and sponsoring the podcast. If you can't do any of those things but just want to make a feel-good day, leave us a five-star review. Cheers, everyone, and thank you again for supporting Swinging Down Under podcast.